0: Welcome to Church Online. I am so excited that you have joined us this morning. I'm Pastor Matt. I pray that our worship will be exciting and uplifting. I pray that the ministry of the word will work in your heart and that the Lord will do something special. Thank you again for joining us and enjoy the service. Take your Bibles and turn to Romans, Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8, Romans chapter 12, verse 3 through 8. I only have 21% left on my iPad, so that means I got to preach fast because it's about to die. I'll switch to my phone if I have to, but I think we can hold out with 21%. We'll see. We'll see. If you see me switch, that's what happened. But I'm excited about this. Last week, We just started this chapter. So last week we did Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And look, they're famous verses. They're famous verses. We have uh, in in different versions kind of the, the same idea is presenting your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Or the way the CSB words it is, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... Uh, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And uh, what we talked about last week, and I don't have a whole lot of time to develop it yet. It's 1137. I'm already behind the eight ball here, but we're going to do our best uh, to get you out. I have to preach a funeral this afternoon, so be in prayer for me there. But that means I got to end somewhat on time today. Um, But I I think I'm preaching a funeral in in an auto body shop. That's a first. Yeah. Uh, But I think he was a a mechanic. But uh, anyway, did you know him? Ah, okay. So just be in prayer uh, that the Lord does something. Uh, I I think they uh, just got my name from uh, the jesters, uh, I believe. But um, anyway, just gonna try to be a blessing to them uh, today. But anyway, so we got to end somewhere uh, remotely close on time. But uh, just wanted to share with you by way of review. And if you didn't listen to last week's or weren't here and haven't seen it, go check it out on YouTube. Watch last week's message. But in a nutshell. Uh, and I think this this is good for online, in person, we don't have a God that asks us to present ourselves as living sacrifices without having done that himself. He's not asking you to do the hard thing. He's asking you to step into what he's already done. And, and this is this is the real big difference between uh, and you know I've, I'm definitely a lot more loving and caring in, in recent years about other religions and other perspectives uh, than I have been in the past. But this is a, a big difference. This is a stark contrast between religion and a relationship. right? Religion says uh, this is what I want you to do. And, and I think that there are many, Uh, different sects or uh, denominations or um, perspectives out there, Uh, a lot of different religions around the world, right? Uh, And you can boil a lot of them down to this idea of just being a good person. And that's what religion means, just good works, right? And so do good works, do good things. And whether it is for the reason of karma or sowing and reaping, Uh, But that's really the basis of a lot of them. You earn. It's like some kind of like merit badge system. You know what I mean? You do good things. Good things come back to you. And the greater powers or the, the higher powers that be are happy with you. That is not Christianity. And so the God of the Bible, he has a name. His name is Yahweh. He, he has been working his plan from the beginning. And what we're seeing is the greatest declaration, the greatest letter in all of the church. I, I think really in all of church history is the book of Romans. I think that what we're experiencing in this letter is a, an understanding that Paul had that really cracks the code from what was just an old covenant, old teaching Almost like an out-of-reach, out-of-touch reality that was a Torah-abiding Jew with with other cultures and other nations. And the book of Romans bridges that gap. And it brings us into the equation. It brings us into the relationship as sons and daughters. And and he's used language like grafting us into the olive olive tree as a branch, as a wild branch, right? All of this is showing us really the foundation of our faith. And the foundation of that is this, that God has done all of the work. He has gone before us. Last week, if, if we present our bodies a living sacrifice, I love the way the CSB puts first, in light of the mercies of God, or in light of the gospel, Romans 1.16, in light of what Jesus has done for you, it makes sense for you to do this for him. And so uh, that's, the, that's the real difference. God is not calling you to earn something or do something. God is saying, I love you so much. I knew you were unable. I knew you were not capable of living a perfect life, I know I've seen you in your sin, I I created humankind in such a way that they are in my image, and I know you crave community, I know you desire relationship, but you cannot experience that to the fullest because of sin, because of this fallen world that we've seen, and this is Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 5, understanding that that price has been paid, but the ultimate goal here, and this is where I think we really lose the book and lose the purpose, Paul's ultimate goal here in view is that the Torah-abiding Jew and the non-Torah-abiding Gentile get along, come together. They decide that what Jesus has done, he has done for the both of them, And regardless of whether one keeps the Torah to express it or the other literally just has a different perspective towards his lifestyle and declares his loyalty to Jesus, both can coexist in relationship. And so that's where you see this Romans 12 verse 1. It says, therefore, because of the ground that we have covered, because of what we have seen God do for us, and he uses this term, Brothers and sisters. It's so weighty. Like we have to like put ourselves in AD 67 and and really see the perspective that here are two totally different groups of people two totally different cultures, two totally different perspectives. They see, one sees black, the other sees white. It's a complete contrast and Paul looks at them both and says what you don't understand is Jesus loves you both and you both are in relationship with God as sons and daughters. It's it's huge. It's unreal. And this, this belief, this bridge, this faith is what we live by. That's what Paul is saying. But we see it in light of what God has done, in light of how God has paid for these things already. We went back to Isaiah 53, and we talked about a prophetic word from the prophet Isaiah, how he says that there will be a lamb slain. There will be one that pays the price. And, and I just, I wanted to just reiterate to you today and this morning, and this is mainly a message for the church, but I want to reiterate to you price that has been paid. I want you to understand that Jesus has done all the work. For those of you that are striving, for those of you that are trying to earn something, you can't earn something that's already been given to you. He's, he's handing it to you. The, so today when we talk about the Holy Spirit, because that's really the point of the message here in verses three through eight, the Holy Ghost of God could not come on site of your temple, which, you know, he says in Corinthians that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price, right? So we think about all that. A holy God, th- think about this a holy God inhabiting you. If a holy God inhabited you and your sin was not taken care of, you would explode, you would not be alive. We consider the fact that looking at the old covenant, people that literally just touched the Ark of the Covenant, priests that entered into the Holy of Holies without going through the proper steps, were killed. I think we need one good example. Lord, why don't you just kill somebody? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Take a breath. I'm just teasing. We got into the heavy stuff real quick. I got to tell a few jokes to get my way out, but. We, we don't understand that God had to care for all of these things. Just because we have a church that screams grace, 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 love, 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 tolerance, 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 doesn't mean that God is not just. Doesn't mean that God still is not okay with sin. The answer, though, is that God not being okay with sin poured out his wrath on his son. John three sixteen right the famous verse I do the Tebow real quick and write it under my eyes but the point is is for God so loved the what that he his for God so loved the world that he built this system that anybody who turns it around and does good things will merit heaven sounds good doesn't it sounds like it defines like most of religions. For God so loved the people of the church that as long as they come every Sunday and do what they're supposed to do, he will give them favor. That's not the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel is that Jesus became sin who knew no sin. Jesus put on flesh like we put on our clothes this morning. He decided in the community of God, a community that was set and established before time ever began, they made a decision. He was the Lamb of God slain before what? The foundations of the world. What does this mean? It means that God the Father said, I have to be just and I have to uh, consume sin. I have to judge it. I am Yahweh, the supreme being. I have to judge sin for what it is. And so Jesus said, well, then you can judge me. I, as a member of the Godhead, in the context of a father-son relationship, will absorb your wrath and will absorb your justice upon myself and I will defeat death, hell, and the grave. I will bear on me the iniquity of them all. And so when people say, how can a loving God do those things? A loving God doesn't do those things. A loving God poured out his wrath on his son, on himself. He absorbed the weight. Therefore, the only weight, the only consequence that we see from sin is what we experience on a day to day sowing and reaping we do something wrong and we receive the consequence for what we do but if you are in Christ the bible says there is now therefore no condemnation it doesn't say that there's no consequence so the lord has taken care of this thing from beginning to end When we talk about us serving and us loving the Lord and doing what we're supposed to do, we're never, at Bethlehem, for sure, we're never doing it in a context of you earning God's favor. He's already given you his favor. He already loves you. The Bible says that the Lord gives you the Holy Spirit on the grounds of the blood of Jesus. In other words, because Jesus paid the price, You are given the gift of the Holy Spirit if you declare your loyalty to Jesus. And the shedding of blood is the remission of sins because Jesus' blood (laughs) is applied to your account. The Holy Ghost can come live inside of you. You can't receive the Holy Ghost. You can't receive God on that level with with you being in your sin. So when you declare your your loyalty, when you declare your belief to Jesus, God sees someone who is forgiven. God sees someone who is covered in Jesus' blood. The price has been paid, and the Holy Ghost comes. We're given the greatest gift, this side of heaven, the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that some of us quench it. Some of us grieve the Holy Spirit. Some of us don't utilize those gifts. And I think part of it, when I think about it, is because we didn't pay for it. Look at our society. A bunch of folks getting a lot of things that they didn't pay for. Or something that maybe a child receives because they were handed down from a mother or father that worked hard. Or grandparents that worked hard. And and what do we see over and over again? They don't know how to handle it. They squander it because they don't know the sacrifice. we got a bunch of young people running around that don't understand the sacrifice that people have paid for this country. And so, therefore, they disrespect it, right, on the grounds that they haven't done anything <laughs> to preserve our freedom. Do we see this as a re- reoccurring theme in multiple areas of life? Excuse me while I take a sip here. It's the same thing in Christianity. Greater love than no one has than this, than a man lay down his life for his friend. We see this is the bedrock of the gospel, the sacrifice, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And it is upon that sacrifice that our entire faith system is built. It ain't on our goodness. It's not on how how we handle uh, our business it's how he handled it for us. That's the relationship piece. And so when we enter into that context, like Paul did, Paul is saying, okay, and let's break it down, right? Torah-abiding Jew, non-Torah-abiding Gentile, and we've uncovered that theme throughout. And this is one message in a long series. So some of this, if you're like, that doesn't make any sense, it's because this is like my 17th message out of the book of Romans, so you can go back and listen to the other ones. But the point is, is this, Paul is saying, if there's somebody you don't like that's in the body of Christ, let's say you're prejudiced. Let's say you're racist against a certain person or a certain people group. Paul says this, the kingdom of God is going to be a very uncomfortable place for you. Because I will, my name will be lifted up and I will draw all men and women unto me. There will be, the name of Jesus will go out to every tribe and to every tongue. And so, just like the Torah abiding Jews had a real hard time accept, accepting non Torah abiding Gentiles into the family of God, they're like, these people are uncouth. The, the, they don't understand what it is to love Jesus they don't understand how to keep the commandments they don't understand eating kosher uh, they all need to be circumcised and every Gentile man was like whoa <laughs> chill with that you know what I'm saying I'm trying to be like do we really need to talk about that at church you know what I'm saying but that's what they were doing they were saying if you're going to come into the church you need to do everything by the book you need to eat kosher you need to get the snip snip and all that stuff that goes with it don't worry about it. anyway. We'll leave that alone. That's a big part of the New Testament. But here's what Paul is saying. He's saying God has given me a gift. God has given me many gifts to show these Torah-abiding Jews that the gospel is for everybody. If Jesus did the work, right, then anybody can receive it. If them keeping the law is not what's taking them to heaven then someone else that doesn't keep the law that loves Jesus can go to heaven as well. You see what Paul's doing? This is a very important work. Why? Because we have the Old Testament, which there's a lot of stuff in there about being a Jew. And then we have the New Testament. What's the bridge between the two? This book right here. And and mind you, I think one of the greatest apologetics for the Christian faith is this is written by a Torah-abiding Jew. This is written by, Paul said, as as touching the law, I'm blameless. I'm a Hebrew. I'm a Benjamite. I know everything and more there is to know about being a Jew. And I'm saying they don't need to be a Jew to get to know Jesus. Jesus loves them just as much as he loves you, Torah-abiding Jew, See what he's saying? See what he's doing? This is incredible. It's the most important literary work. It's why we are here, every tribe and tongue, uh, confessing our faith to Jesus, and we can all coexist. Do you understand that the racial divide in our nation, around the world, it is solved by this right here. The gospel solves it. The gospel takes every problem, every issue to its core and obliterates it. This is justice and equity. It is Jesus bearing the iniquity for us all. And he is not a respecter of persons. He allows all that believe in his name to call upon him. Okay, that's just a little bit of a review. So let's talk about the gifts a little bit, okay? We're going to talk about the Holy Ghost today. Y'all take a deep breath. Everybody on the count of three. One, two, three. <gasps> All right, did you feel that? Did you feel the exhale? Did you feel it? That's a lot of, you know, we can consider the Holy Ghost in regards to breath, in regards to that exhale, something that comes in and goes out. The Bible describes them sometimes as like wind. You know, like we go outside and we don't see the wind, right? We see what the wind is is moving. And if you think the wind... Doesn't exist, talk to the BGE people <laughs> who've been putting like everybody's power back on over the last few weeks, right? We haven't seen Kyle in like three months, poor thing. Good heavens. The wind is real. You might not see it, but it's there. It it's a force. And that force moves. It's it's like saying God as a it's hard, right? To put these concepts of the Holy Spirit into terms that we can understand. You know, we're, we're just finite beings, you know what I mean, trying to understand an infinite being, God. But I think about God as in himself, his force, his power, his breath, his pneuma, his ruach is the, the Hebrew word for it. His movement is the Holy Spirit. You can take this all the way back to creation and see the Spirit of God moving upon the face of the waters. You can take this to the the breath that is breathed into man, the breath of life. Understanding consciousness in a human being that not that can't necessarily be uh, uh, duplicated as far as within science. Why there's something intrinsic about human consciousness that makes us who we are? There's something. There's something incredible. Uh, there's something incredible about the breath of God as he breathes it, and as he gives life, as his spirit moves. So this person of the Holy Spirit, uh, he is evident, he is there, he is working. And so Paul shifts gears here in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, and he talks about us presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice because of what Jesus has done for us, and we touched on that. But then he doesn't stop there. He says, when you serve, when you do, when you present your bodies, you need to do it in the context of your spiritual gifts. You mean I just can't show up and do whatever I want to do the way I want to do it? Nope. No, you can't. Why? Because that would be absolute chaos. <laughs> you know. And here's the point. God is not going to pay for... For this entire thing, death, burial, and resurrection, right? The whole gospel is is what Jesus did for you and then leave it up to us to cross the finish line. How many know we would screw that up? I mean, I would. I'd be like, I've been given heaven. I've been given the kingdom of God. This is amazing. Look what Jesus did for me. Now, what do I do with it? (laughs) I don't even know. What do I do? He gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And from that are other gifts that come that he has granted to us in order to live out our faith, in order to help the church and do what we're supposed to do within the church. But you know what we don't do a whole lot of in the church is talk about it. We don't talk about the Holy Spirit a lot. We don't talk about those gifts enough. And today is just going to be a pretty broad message on it Uh but that's the context of of what he's saying. Let's go to the text here. Romans chapter 12, verses three through eight. Let's read it together. It says this. For by the grace given to me, for by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you, don't miss this, not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Tell me that ain't a word for today. I mean, that is a word for today. Let me explain something to you. By the grace of God, you got what you got. So let's not think too highly of ourselves, is what Paul's saying, right? Instead, and these are the two words that really frame today's message think sensibly. Think sensibly. Turn to your neighbor and say, be sensible. There you go. Think sensibly. <laughs> As God has distributed a measure of faith to each one, now as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same functions, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, according to the grace given to us. We have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in exhortation. Giving with generosity. Leading with diligence. Showing mercy with cheerfulness. Now, buckle up real quick. I got to cover a lot of ground in a short amount, amount of time here. Romans chapter 5, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 1 verse 5 says this, Through him we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among the Gentiles. This is the same author, Paul. In his letter, the beginning of the letter, he says, Remember, God's grace has been given to us, to me, to this church, to reach the Gentile people. God's grace has been given uh, to us as a church to extend to others so that this letter goes abroad so that it's not just gathering people that are just like us Torah abiding Jew but so that it goes to others. And he goes a step further. In Galatians chapter 2 verse 9, it says this, when James, Cephas, and John, Cephas is another name for Peter, same guy, Peter, Cephas, got it, Peter, James, and John, Cephas, right there. When James, Cephas, and John, those recognized as pillars, acknowledged the grace that had been given to me, Paul talking, when Peter, James, and John saw what God gave to me, here's the conclusion, they gave the right hand of fellowship to me and Barnabas, agreeing that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Paul literally says in another passage of Scripture, I got what I got. I've been gifted, me and this dude Barnabas. We've been given what we've been given and the others acknowledge it to go to a different people group. Mm -hmm. We could do a lot of things with this. But you have to see it. The gifts that were given to Paul were given to him to reach what? Others. Essentially us. Now, our text explains this. For by the grace given to me, I tell every one of you among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Let's explain that. If Paul says in other passages of scripture, I've received gifts from the Lord to reach Gentiles, and he says, brothers and sisters, don't think of yourself too highly more than you ought to think of yourself. Why is he saying that? Because there are people in the church that don't like Gentiles. Do you get it? That's the picture he's painted. Now, we got to look at his other letters and put this put this thing together. But essentially, I wonder if the Holy Spirit isn't moving in our church because we don't want the Holy Spirit to move in other people's lives that are different than us. I'm just going to drop the mic real quick. Unfortunately, the Holy Ghost gave you those gifts to reach different people, and you're like, uh-uh. What, if, what happens if they have to sit at my dinner table? Uh-uh. What happens if they have to come over to my house? What happens if that means their kids are around my kids? Nah, ain't worth it. Back it up. Paul said, the grace of God was given to you for this purpose. Peter, James, and John were like, I get it, bro. Go ahead. You go reach them Gentiles. (laughs) Your gifts are specific. There is so much dissension. We are so nitpicky about our relationships. And um, let me explain something to you. It's killing the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is living inside of you going, I understand. I'm God and I'm on site, not because of you, you buffoon. I'm on site. I'm living in you as the temple. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. I can imagine the Holy Ghost goes like, man, you don't treat yourself like some kind of temple. I mean, you've hit four or five McDoubles this week. You'd be killing those Doritos at midnight. Is this the temple of the Holy Ghost? I mean, think about it, really. The temple of the Holy Ghost. And and we're trashing the temple. We could talk about that for a whole service, couldn't we? Man, amen, that's right. (laughs) The temple of the Holy Ghost. And beyond us living like trash, putting stuff in our system that, like, literally, we ain't doing ourselves no favors. And listen, I'm preaching to the choir, you know what I'm saying. I'm trying, folks. I lost five more pounds this week. Come on, come on now. (laughs) That was all a lie. (laughs) Jiu-jitsu is doing what it needs to do to me. But listen to me, church. Our body is the temple. And when the Holy Ghost is on site and he gives you a gift for someone else and you go, no, I don't like them. He goes, you just grieved me. You're not recognizing that God's mercy is for them just as much as it is for you. We are the most bigoted people. When it, when it comes to other Christians and other people that could be Christians. that Look, if you just love people. Remember, we talked about this. I'm spitting everywhere. The tip of the spear should be the gospel, not your political opinions. I got my political opinions. You know what I mean. And a lot of you who know me know that I have those. It's okay. You are who you are in Christ, right? But that shouldn't be the tip of the spear. The tip of the spear is that the Holy Spirit gave me something to give to you. Can you imagine the look on someone's face that has never had anybody love them like that before? And then being like, what? The holy who? (laughs) That's the design. That's what Paul is saying. Let's keep going. Man, this might be two weeks, but it's not good because I finished this in the early service. (laughs) Let's keep rolling. Think what? Does anybody remember? I'll rem- I'll rem- <laughs> who said it Miss Cindy that's right well this is your second time hearing this so yeah. verse number two verse number three in our text Romans 12, 3. for by grace given to me I tell every mon- everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think of instead think what all right I'm gonna I'm gonna give you three things today on how to think a little bit more sensibly about the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given you here's the thing like we have really wrecked and ruined this. People, if you have a more Baptist background, you look at Pentecostals as crazy. You know what I'm saying? I love you back there, Miss Sheila. (laughs) But we don't think sensibly about each other in our gifts, right? We just let people divide us. When in all actuality, they're probably more right on the Holy Spirit than we are. But yet we build our boxes of comfort around ourselves. Is that the design of our gifts? To build boxes around or to reach others with our gifts. So we, we really got to come together on some of these things. So here, here's think, here's what thinking sensibly means as it pertains to these gifts. Number one, look at verse number three. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone, everyone among you not to think of himself more highly. Instead, think sensibly as God has what? Distributed a measure of what? To each one. Let's think sensibly about this. Number one, you are a part of the work God is doing. You are a part of the work God is doing. When we think this is my work, this is what I'm going to do with my gifts, this is who, I, I mean, look, if I had a dollar for every time I heard someone say, that's just who I am. Has anybody ever heard that? With And then after they say that, their head bobs up and down like that really fast. It's just who I am. (laughs) Why? (laughs) It's kind of weird, right? I mean, literally, that's our society. (laughs) It's just who I am. I'm my own person. Does that fit in the context of the church and what God is trying to do with these gifts? It doesn't. It's like a care package on Call of Duty. You know what I mean? It's like those those things land and we're going to go snag those things. Look, we're at war, right? Like our world is being torn apart. And we've got Christians that God from the inside out is saying, I've given you what you need to reach people. I've given you, here's this, I've given you what you need to stay married. Oh Lord, no, you haven't. (laughs) Many think about it, they're like, I've given you, God says, what you need to reach your coworker." Really? I don't think so. I can't talk to that fool. And God is saying, I've given it to you, but you are not taking it on my terms, God said. You are a part of the work that I'm doing. God says, I have distributed to everyone a measure of faith. That's why I believe that everybody has a chance. I believe that everybody can see Jesus for who He is, for what He's done for them. Why? Because of how good I'm able to frame it? No, because God gave them a measure of faith. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It ain't my game. This is God's game. God's done the work, He has His spirit on site and he's saying, look, I've given to, I've distributed. So when we think sensibly about this, here's where the church is getting it wrong. You think that you're God's gift to everyone else. The Lord just needs to distribute more of me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, that's not the answer. You are not the answer. God is the answer through you. God is distributing gifts through you. Think sensibly. Think sensibly about this. Number two, you are not the center of the work. Jesus is. Look at verse 4 into verse 5. Now as we are many parts of one body and all those parts do not have the same function in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Understand this, thinking sensibly about our gifts, God, we are a part of the work that God is doing. Number two, you are not the center of the work, Jesus is. If Jesus is the center of our work, the center of our joy, the center of our body, the center of our marriage, the center of our relationships, things happen differently. I'm going to say it again. Self-centeredness and selfishness is killing the church. Self-centeredness, selfishness, the fact that we think it all revolves around us, That leads to dysfunction. It leads to the dismantling of what God is trying to do with the gospel. We are not the center of it. Jesus is. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is. That's about 10% of you that believe it. (laughs) Jesus is. He's the center of our joy. You're, You're a part of the work God is doing. Think sensibly. You are not the center of the work Jesus is. Number three, our unique gifts should, look, if you don't get anything out, you're like, man, I'm ready for the house. I'm ready to go to my potluck at my own house, my own crock pot. How many made, let's see, how many made pulled pork today? How many made spaghetti? You ever make spaghetti in the Instant Pot? Anybody ever done that? Is anybody having hot dogs today? (laughs) Hamburgers? Wow, what are y'all eating? Thai? Anybody eating Thai food or what? Are y'all going to McDonald's and you're mad at me because I done trashed McDonald's? Is that what it is? Man, I'm going to have to start calling. Sean, what are you eating this afternoon? You're going to my house? (laughs) I'm doing a funeral. Sorry, bro. (laughs) Man, I guess is everybody fasting or something? Is that what's happening? Number three, our unique gifts. Don't miss this should not set us apart, but rather pull us together. Our unique gifts should not set us apart, but rather pull us, what, together. So many, when they talk about their giftings and what the Holy Ghost has done in them, a lot of Christians, and this would be the Pharisee, right, standing there so everybody sees what he is. It's not about being set apart. It's about the Lord giving you a gift to bring somebody else in. Your gift that God has given you was not just for you. It was for somebody else. Our gifts, our giftings, the Holy Ghost, is his whole goal in this book is unity. Is how can I make a Torah-abiding Jew and a Gentile sit at the same table, eating different food, but still love each other? Y'all don't even know how relevant this is for 2022. We are so stuck in our ways. We are so blinded by our own self-centeredness. You say, well, how do you know? When was the last time you reached somebody? When was the last time your gifts were used to bring somebody else in? When was the last time the Lord used your gift to make somebody else at church feel welcome and comfortable and loved? Well, there's just nobody else here like me. If there were other people like me, then I would make them feel loved and worthy. <laughs> like, we're, we're missing the point. You're, you're not the center of this thing. Who is? Some of y'all are listening. Come on. Your gifts were not given to set you apart. And this is another thing I think is a huge problem when it comes to Holy Spirit gifts. People are like, this is my gifting. This is who I am. This is what I'm able and capable of doing. If that's your attitude and that's your spirit, you're missing the point of your gifts. It should be, who needs this gift? Who needs a word today? Who can I encourage? Who can I serve? Who can I help? Who can I be there for? That is a Holy Spirit gift that's being used to bring unity. In marriage, I think this is a a cool thing to do. Think of five things that you don't want to do for your spouse and do them. If your marriage sucks right now, if your relationship is no good, I promise you, men and women, if this week you go, here it is, the five things that suck challenge, we'll call it that. Sound good? Is that good? Five things that suck. Think about five things that you don't want to do for your significant other, and you do them for them, and watch this, your marriage is going to get better. It's not about you having your needs met. And those of you that have been married a long time, been in a relationship a long time, you'll realize this. It's about you meeting their needs. In turn, your needs get met because everyone is fulfilled. But this is the same way for Holy Ghost uh, gifts. He gives you those gifts to make people feel more welcome, to make people feel more loved. He doesn't give you those. Think about the talents and the gifts that we sit on and we don't do nothing with. There's unity as the purpose for this. Think what? Miss Cindy nailing it again. (laughs) Think what? Sensibly. Some of y'all wives, you need to look at your husbands and say, think sensibly. And vice versa. Now, what are the gifts? Look at the text, and this will get us home. At 1220, come on up to that piano, all right? (laughs) 1220. We're going to take communion today. Amen. I think, hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully. Look at the good gifts here. Let me read you these scriptures real quick before we jump into this. 1 Corinthians 8 9, it says this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich for your sake, he became what? Poor. So that by his poverty, you might become rich. In our text, it says in Romans 12, 6a, it says, according to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. So rather it is not that is who I am, but it is God gave me these gifts and I want to share them with anyone that is willing to receive them. Don't just be who you are. Look for the person that needs who God made you so that you can make their life better. This is the crux of Holy Spirit gifts. Jesus said, I became poor that you could be made rich. Yeah, being Christ-like. That's what we're after. Well, Jesus gave it all. Jesus served us. He became a servant. Think about the passage in Philippians. I love to quote it. He humbled himself. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Church, we have to see that the gospel is the upside-down nature of the way the world looks at things. It's not about getting ahead. It's it's not about you... uh, having everything put together. It's not about you being uh, secure. It's about giving it away. It's about looking to those folks that you absolutely can meet their needs and you meet their needs regardless of whether they have anything to offer you or not. All right, these gifts here. uh, There shouldn't be a sense of entitlement, but rather a posture of generosity Good gifts to be used by the body of Christ. And I'll say this, while we do this, we talk about these gifts here and we're just gonna list them. Notice what's not here. Notice what is not there. Many of you, if you're using gifts that aren't listed, maybe you're using the wrong things to help others. Maybe your pride isn't as effective as you think it is. These are the gifts that God says, look, the spirit of God wants to use these things among you. He wants to use these to bring us all together. Here's the gifts. Prophecy. If you look right there at the end of the the verses there in chapter 12, it's really verse number 6 through verse 8. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. All I'm doing here is taking these Greek words and just kind of exposing the meaning. Here's the meaning of prophecy. Speaking into others. Hearing, speaking, and believing. It's funny, there's videos on YouTube of like these pastors that are like televangelists and stuff that give prophecies. And there are people that like devote their whole lives to listing all the prophecies that they said were supposed to happen and never came true. It's really good, like YouTube it, it's awesome. Uh, but like people are holding them accountable for these like televangel- televangelists that are like, send me your money, sow your seeds into here and I'll give you a word or a prophecy, right? Well, there are actually people writing down all the things that they're saying are gonna come true and they're like, none of that ever came true. And so what we do is we're like, see the- these people that say they have a prophetic word for someone or they have a prophecy for someone, right? A word, it's actually a lie. Know what it is? is the enemy gets us all looking at an idiot, a false teacher. And so because of a false teacher, we all don't give each other the words that we need. The idea is not staying away from that gift. It's use the gift correctly. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Lord Lord gives a word. And here's, here's what I would say. Just exercise the gift this way. And for some of you, once again, that are Baptist, you're like, ugh, you're shaking right now. A prophetic word, what does that mean? Oh, you know, that's spooky. It isn't spooky. When you're reading your Bible, when you're praying, and the Lord brings someone to mind when you read a verse, text them the verse. If the Lord brought someone to your mind while you were singing a song or worshiping or reading a passage of scripture, chances are the Lord has that word and that verse for somebody else. And he wants you to carry that word for them. Hearing from the Lord. Delivering that message to someone else and believing that God is going to do it. Church, the Lord has good gifts for us all. Will you walk in those gifts for the benefit of someone else? Number two, serving prophecy, speaking into others. Number two, serving, being reliable and available to help and to aid. This is what Paul says. You know what will strengthen our church? They're going to sing in a minute. It's okay. Y'all stay right here with me. I got four minutes. Come on. Y'all know what will bring the church together more than anything? When you, a Torah abiding Jew, serve a Gentile. When you, let's, let's bring it into 2020 context. You think you could use more helpers in the worship department? You think you could use more in the kids and the nursery? I mean, the list goes on and on, doesn't it, Cody? You think we need help? Some of y'all got a spiritual gift of serving people, and you're sitting on it. You're like, "Uh uh-uh. I don't want to be tied down. (laughs) It might be the greatest thing you've ever done. It might be the, the thing that brings the most joy in your life serving others. God has a gift for some of you that's just literally serving and being available. If it's once a month, that's not enough. It is enough. It's more than enough. Whatever God calls you to do, do it, and the Spirit of God will reveal it to you. What else does he say? Oh, 10% battery. (laughs) Number three, teaching. God-given ability to impart the knowledge of God to others. Some of y'all are sitting on a teaching ability. We should have about eight small group classes on Wednesday night instead of three. Mike would love for you to teach the word of God. And coupled with that, Paul says, is exhorting. What's that? It's it's here, Here's what we have. We have a God-given ability to impart knowledge, but a God-given ability to motivate others to action. I know we got some exhorters. We have some women in here that are excellent exhorters, and your husband can attest to it right? And y'all are sitting on that gift. Well, am I allowed to teach in the house of God? Yes. We don't discriminate here. You should be teaching a class. You should be exhorting others. And I'm sitting on that gift. Stop sitting on it. Get busy with that gift. Why? Look, I'm just telling you that God has brought us together for such a time as this. There are people in our community. There are people here that need you, that need your gift. And the Holy Ghost is like, here I am. I'm here because you declared your loyalty to Jesus and I'm ready to get put to work. I was there when God created the world. I was there when God uh, literally poured out his wrath on his son. I saw the price that God paid and I'm ready to do work through you. You just got to get off your blessed assurance and go to work through your Holy Spirit gifts. I'm telling you, the, the Lord is ready. What about this one? This is exhorting. Do you feel that? Okay, anyway. Giving. He, he gives the gift of giving here. I put it this way. I see this in the Greek. It's, it's like God owns what you have. Some of you have the gift to just give everything that you have away because you look at it as just something that the Lord has that he's given you. That's a gift. That's a gift. Leading. The gift of leading with excitement and anticipation. There's room for more leaders in our church. The last one, mercy. I think this is one that we all need. The connotation here that Paul is saying with this gift of mercy is this, giving people what they don't deserve with no strings attached. I think this is one that could radically change the church. If you're here and you know that you're sitting on a gift of forgiveness that someone is waiting to receive, you know they don't deserve it and you don't want to give it to them, you need to pray in the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, give me the strength to give them that gift of forgiveness, even though they don't deserve it. And here's the thing, give it with no strings attached. That's a Holy Spirit gift. Some of you, I'm telling you, look, I've, I, I talk to a lot of people. Many people are struggling with past hurt. If we said, hey, everybody raise your hand right now that's walking through some hurt, probably 90% of us would have our hands up You know, the gift of mercy is probably the resolution for your hurt. Giving that person what they don't deserve with no strings attached, you will be liberated. And the Holy Spirit's just waiting. He's like, you ready? You ready to give them the forgiveness that they don't deserve? Stop justifying what you shouldn't give and what you should give, and just follow the leading of the who? The Holy Spirit. That was a nice whisper for the Holy Spirit. Where are you in these areas, church? Where are you in these areas? Are you a contributor giving of your gifts or are you a consumer? Are you a contributor or are you a consumer? Thank you for watching and joining us for Our Church Online. I pray this experience was just what you needed today. If you made a decision for the Lord to follow Christ, or if the Lord did something in your heart that was special today, we would love to hear about it. Post it in the comments. Send us a message, and we'll reach out to you. Have a wonderful week, and God bless.